Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Here in the Northern Rockies, dark winter months are outlasted in basements, dens, and nooks, where kindred souls gather together to share intel swap fly patterns, and relive the memories from seasons past. This gathering spot known locally as the February Room is the inspiration for this podcast. No matter the season, the door is always open to those with a fly fishing story to tell. Brought to you by CD Fishing USA, the North American distributor for composite development fly rods and accessories. 40 years of Kiwi ingenuity and graphite technology now available at cd-fishing.us or your local CD USA dealer. Follow us on Instagram, YouTube, and Facebook. And remember to go fishing. Here's your host, the Carnops, and this is the February Room. As many anglers know, fishing requires a lot of problem solving, from reading the water to matching the hatch. These fundamental skills to fishing can prepare an angler for a successful day on the water. But have you ever considered how these important skill sets could apply to your daily routine in work and your relationships? Joining me today is John Childress, author of Fly Fishing for Leadership, all the way from London. Thank you so much for joining me today, John. It's a pleasure. I've been looking forward to this. So me good. too. It's what I love about this leadership book is that 
you you also incorporate some kind of um, some stories and experiences. Um, and that's what I love about this book. It's not just like, this is how we're going to do some leadership. It's like, this is how this could apply. And this is how some maybe people have done it wrong in the past. But before we go more into um, into the book, let's start mm-hmm. the podcast with a fishing story. Oh my gosh. My favorite thing in the, my favorite thing in the whole world, Lauren. Um, in my book in, uh, chapter 13, it's called your leadership team slash fly fishing buddies. And this story happened to my brother and I, we took a float trip down the good news river in Alaska. And my brother invited an acquaintance. I don't think it was a friend. It was an acquaintance, somebody who he met, and they got to talking about fishing, et cetera, et cetera. So anyway, there were three of us on this trip. Two of us, my brother and I, knew each other extremely well. The other guy we didn't know too well. And uh, it became fairly evident during the week and a half that we were on the float trip that this guy just was a jerk. I hate to say that about people, but he was just a jerk. He didn't help it's with okay. the... He didn't help collect the firewood. He didn't help cook. He didn't help clean up. <laughs> he set up his Those tent. Those people exist. Those people set, exist he, in this world. <laughs> you know, he set up his tent, crawled in, had a beer, and and uh, and he was not a good fishing buddy. So at the very end of the trip, the last day, we had caught some fish to kind of take home. And we woke up early and had the fish in a... Um, in a cooler, and my brother had gone on the other side of the river to fish, and I was in camp, and I looked downstream, and here comes a grizzly bear. <laughs> and obviously, he's smelling the fact that we had fish overnight in our cooler. So, so I told this guy, I said, "Look, you go down to the river, get the raft ready. I'll go back up to camp. I'll grab the cool box, and I'll be right there." So I ran up to camp, grabbed the cool box, turned around. He was halfway across the river rowing like hell. Uh, he just he just freaked out. <laughs> he totally freaked out. And so we screamed at him, and he finally sort of came to his senses and came back and got me. But, no. Uh, no. It inspired a quote on my chapter, and I will read this quote to you because I think you'll like it. The two biggest decisions in life are who you choose as a spouse and who you choose to fish with. So well said. That is so well said. <laughs> what did you, John, when you got the boat, like how was like, cause I mean, there isn't too much space between you. It's like, you have to sit there the entire time. Was there kind of like quietness or were you like, Hmm, like why well, are you? I think because you we're on a public or this is going to be a, public broadcast. I won't tell you what I said, but uh, <laughs> I was livid. Needless to say, we never fished with him again. Yeah, I don't I don't blame you. I mean, that's the reality of life is that there's just some people out there that are jerks and and that's and that's the reality of it. And and there's people that we probably don't get along with, which you kind of touch base. Like I mean there's just some personalities and it's just kind of navigating it. And sometimes it's like just don't go fishing with them. Just don't go fish with it. And I'll tell you, life is far too short to hang out with people who you don't get along with. And uh, so anyway, 
Make wise choices, Lauren. <laughs> I will. I will. I will keep that in mind. I mean, there's no reason, especially when you're doing something that you love and then someone, I, I think there's like that energy that just spoils it for everybody, right? Like when you have that one person that's just miserable, it is, it, it does rot the entire crowd. You know what I mean? Like not one happy person, but it just takes one miserable person to ruin it for everybody. It makes it tough. You're absolutely right. Yeah. Well, let's, let's talk about this book, John. I'm beautiful cover. I love it. There's, you know, we have someone um, waiting with his fishing rod and he's got his net on his back and you can tell he's got his eye on the prize. And um, we have uh, this book. Can you kind of go a little bit of description about the fly fishing for leadership book? Yeah. And it's started out in an interesting way. I was down in Argentina, fishing in Patagonia. And it was just as COVID was sweeping the world. And so we were at the lodge and we kind of kept an eye on the situation, but it it was getting worse and worse and worse. And so to make a long story short, I got the last flight out of Buenos Aires before they shut the airport. I got the last flight out of Sao Paulo before they shut the airport. I got the last flight out of Madrid before they shut the airport. And I finally got home. And I said, what am I going to do for this extended lockup that seems to be coming? Yeah. And I started thinking about my life, as one does. And I've been in the leadership consulting business for 40 years. And yet I've been fly fishing even longer. And I said, you know, every time I go fly fishing, I think about leadership principles. And every time I'm in a leadership situation, I think about something I've learned on the river. And I guess that kind of inspired the fact that, well, I got time and I can't travel. I can't go fishing. So let's try and write this book. And that's how it happened. Quite a number of chapters. Uh, there are 22 chapters, and they all have a leadership principle attached to them. I was going to ask you, um, because as I as, as I was reading your book, you have a lot of experiences, uh, life experiences. How did you find these people? Like, did, Are these people in your life that you knew, that you reached out to, and was like, or are these stories that, like as you were saying, when you're on the water, you were always seeing about how these apply for uh, these principles apply for leadership. How did how did that come together? Well, I knew I wasn't smart enough to write a book like this by myself, so I needed to get some input. So I went ahead and contacted a few people and said, "Look, I'm going to write a book. I need to talk to executives who fly fish, guides, lodge owners." people in the fly fishing industry, uh, how do I contact them? And one name led to another and one to two and two to four and four to eight. And we wound up interviewing over the phone 70 people, all, all who are far more experienced at fly fishing in the world than I was. And it just, they had such great stories. Yes. They had wonderful stories. And Every one of them said, you know, John, I never thought about leadership and fly fishing together, but now you mention it. And then the stories would just come out. 
Oh, I love it. Can I can I share one of my favorite stories from your book? Because it just made me like <laughs> kind of giggle and laugh. Um, this one is chapter 17, Planning, Agility, and Unexpected. And this uh, one's from uh, written by Tucker Horn. Uh, Tucker Horn. Oh, he's I a gotta, lovely guy. Oh my he's gosh. This, sto- this story cracks me up. Uh, I got a phone call from an elderly man who wanted to hire me to guide him on a fly fishing trip for a day on our local river. We agreed to meet on the river at 7.30 a.m. He was a fairly good fly angler, but didn't seem to be in a good mood, even though he was catching good-sized fish. So I decided to engage him in some light conversation to elevate the mood in the boat. Just as I started, he asked me, what kind of hot sauce do you prefer? I was taken by surprise, but answered with my favorite Texas style brand. He shot back, wrong answer. Did you not Google me? If you had researched me before this trip, you would know that my family owns the biggest and best hot sauce company in the world. We fished in relative silence for the rest of the trip. I was embarrassed and got zero tip as well. But I learned a priceless lesson about dealing with people and especially about business and leadership. Never go to a meeting unprepared. Always do research beforehand on the topic and people in the meeting. (laughs) I'm I'm glad you pointed that one out because he's a great human being and so honest. Well, and I mean, what a great way for him to, you know, at at the same time, I could see someone being like, what and who does this person think he is? But then also like, you know, kind of reflecting on that experience and thinking, how could I have been better prepared, right? And um, I think what this book really does is apply uh, these skills to better prepare for better outcomes or maybe better situations when dealing with, you know, sometimes as human beings, we have conflicts and it's just, how do we use our leadership skills and apply those? Well, you know, leadership is not a spectator sport. It's a contact sport and fly fishing is exactly the same. And you've, you've got to make choices in both instances and understanding about making choices and having the courage to make choices and making choices and then realizing you made the wrong choice and choosing something else is really a part of leadership and it's a part of life issue. Is it fair to say, I'm curious, John, do you think leadership is being lost? Well, let me start with an observation. I don't see many leaders around. And the world seems to be crying out for leaders, but there's a lot of people with the title. And the other thing I'd say what's missing from most people with the title of leadership is one of the most important ingredients, and I call it courage. Hmm. You know, sometimes you got to call a spade a spade and you got to call a, you got to tell the truth and you got to stand up for what's right and not, not play politics and try and smooth things over when there's a situation where somebody has to stand up and make a decision and have the courage to make a decision. That's really well said. I think that is really hard is to making 
decisions. Um, I try really hard to give precise answers instead of like, whatever you want to do when I know exactly what I want to do, but I want to be complacent with everybody else in the group. But I'm like, I hope they all choose what I really want. And I know that's like, you that's know, going- like a sign to fail. <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, then I'm probably the guy on the boat. That's I the know. crummy apple. And I'm like, well, why did I not say anything? And I, I find, you know, as, as in my home life, and I think about missed opportunities where I could have had a bigger role in decisions that really, I was like, well, you know what? I don't feel, sometimes I feel like I should, I'm not an expert, but I have an opinion. And that's, I don't know where really, really where I'm going with this, but it's really hard when I see decisions made and I didn't put my voice in it. Well, I think that's where fly fishing has taught me a lot because um, you've got to make, you've got to make, keep making decisions until you get the right outcome. You know, you got to get the right fly. You got to get the length of the leader, right? You got to get the number of split shot right. You have to decide whether you're going to go surface or subsurface. You got to read the water. You got to make, and you're constantly changing. And there's nothing wrong with that. It, yet in business, we have this stigma about once you make a decision, you got to stick with it. Well, that's yeah. bullshit. <laughs> that's BS. I love that. Well, and, you know, and also in this book, I mean, you touch so many points into leadership, but you also, it's, it's very, you have these great photos, um, on each, on each chapter. Um, how did you get a, how did you gather these photos? Are these from your own collection or did you reach out? I see we have some other like courtesy of Nicholas McComer and, um, how do you get these photos? Some of them are some from friends. Some of them are mine. Some of them I went on the internet and found a photo that matched the photo that told the story that I wanted the chapter to tell. I think that's the issue. And then I went and tried to find the whoever owns the picture rights and phone them up and say something like, "I don't have a lot of money, but can I use this? Or can I buy it at a, <laughs> can I buy it at a cheap rate? Or can I make sure I who's your name and give you credit? Blah blah blah. Anyway, uh, I think they're good photos. They're great photos. I mean, I'm looking at chapter 21 with a great, um, a great catch by Jay Bayer. And underneath that, which I really love this quote, fly fishing is an, is an excellent way to judge a person's character, which I mean, based on your first story, that was, that's a true sign of someone's character. I know we've, as we started in the very beginning of the podcast, you have been uh, worked with so many CEOs and leadership what is uh, some of the biggest characteristics you show? I know we've talked about courage, but what other characteristics are you sh- wanting to see in leadership? I think a, I think one is how do you distinguish or how do you manage the dichotomy between having confidence and belief in yourself and your organization and your product on one hand and arrogance on the other? And I think I'd like to read a story in Chapter seven, if that's okay, because it starts Please. with starts with confidence and belief. This is a friend of mine from Scotland who's one of the best salmon fishing fishermen I have ever seen. And he he wrote this story or he told me this story and I wrote it. He says, 
I regularly fish for salmon in the Scottish Highlands and stay at the Oikel Bridge Hotel. One evening, I encountered a hapless fisherman at the hotel bar. The poor man had been fishing for two full days without a tug, and he had tried nearly every fly in his box. He had a long face when I approached him. I started a conversation by asking the man how many fish he caught. He lifted his head and said, sadly, none. How about you? Well, I caught five yesterday and six today. The man almost spilled his beer. What fly were you using? My, my magic fly, I replied. I tell you, this little beauty always catches fish, even when others get skunked. I then explained to him in great detail how the fly swam through the water, pulsating like a wounded fish, attracting the attention of even the most reluctant salmon. I used my hands to show how the tip of the rod moved to activate the fly in the water. I could see him soaking up all the visual images. At the end of my magic fly story, I reached into my pocket and ceremoniously gave him one. I expect to hear some great stories tomorrow evening, I said, as we broke away for dinner. The next evening at the bar, the man excitingly called me over and couldn't wait to tell me about his day. He explained how he could visualize the fly in the water, how it landed perfectly, how it sank in the current, how it swam, and best of all, he, he had the pictures on his iPhone of three fish. I often tell the story with great delight because that particular fly just happened to be the only one I had in my pocket at the time, and just one of the many flies I regularly fish with. So it's not necessarily the fly or the, the fly in fly fishing nor the employee, but it's the confidence you instill in that fly or you instill in that person. That really yes. brings out the performance and gets the dynamic leadership and performance that you want. I just thought that was a great story. Oh, that's such a great story. Yeah, I really, having you reread that, I was like, yeah, that is a really good point because I think as a as an angler, sometimes when in that first like 30 minutes, right, you're fishing and you're not catching anything, your confidence level continues to kind of like go down on the idea that you're going to catch fish, right? You're like, oh, this stinks. I am the worst. But sometimes, and this has happened before, but sometimes when you're with the right person who is instilling this like confidence, like, you know what, right around the bend, this is where it's hot and we've got the right fly. So when you start preparing these, that, that idea that like, oh my gosh, he's right. Like, this is where it is. The other part was bad, but this is where it's going to get better. And it's so true because it, as opposed to if like my guide was like, no, this is all crap. I don't know what's going on today. I'd probably think, oh, we're not going to catch any fish for the rest of the day. This is how the, you know, you, you set that um, expectation, but when you set the expectations that there's still hope <laughs> and that it's not you, it's like the environment, it can, it can change your energy. When you have confidence in yourself, your, your whole frame of being changes. You, you just do things better. You're more aware. You know, you watch what's going on rather than be all in your head worrying. And I think one of the big principles of leadership is one of the big roles of a leader is to instill confidence in people. Because nobody has all the right answers. But, you know, 
team, we can figure it out. What do you think about the, the term fake it until you make it? Can leaders <laughs> can leaders do that? I don't know. That term drives me <laughs> nuts sometimes. <laughs> That's like, I, I can't stand, I uh, what's the other term? Um, it is what it is. I cannot stand that term either. That's like one of my ones that like just bugs me to, to no you know, end. I've tried to, I've tried to rationalize that term in my mind. It is what it is, meanings today. Okay, let's not kid ourselves. Let's accurately assess the strengths and risks in this situation but let's not just leave it at that. Let's do something about it. Uh, but terms fake it until you make it. I think if you're humble enough to say, look, I'm going to try this. I'm learning. I don't know if you have any input, give it to me. Yeah. That's not, that's not faking it. That's being honest. And look, the only way you learn to cast is by casting, right? Right. Well, the only way you're going to learn leadership is by making mistakes and trying again because most casts when you start out are rubbish and if you don't keep at it if you think you failed rather than think you're learning it's a mindset difference and a good leader has that mindset that um and it's not fake it till you make it. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. You know, what, how, like reading this book, it makes me kind of be aware of like how I can build leadership. What are ways uh, of practicing that or being cognitive of being a leader? I think that's where fly fishing really comes in handy because fly fishing is based on feedback. Uh, everything you do in fly fishing, you get instant feedback, right? Absolutely. You make a cast, it collapses, that's feedback. You miss a strike, you know, you yank instead of lift, that's feedback. You don't get anything for an hour, that's feedback. Well, leaders need to realize that feedback is the breakfast of champions. It's the only way we're going to know. It's like a heat-seeking missile. It's constantly off course, but it's constantly correcting. Mm -hmm. And if as leaders we're tied into feedback and we're reading the feedback and we're not taking it personally, we're seeing it as information and not uh, how bad we are, then that's a good leadership trait. Feedback is the most important thing. It is the breakfast of champions as far as I'm concerned. Absolutely. And I think what's so hard is sometimes when you hear feedback – you become defensive, right? Like you never want to think of yourself like, oh, why would they say that about- I'm not a jerk. <laughs> I'm not a jerk. Or, hey, but sometimes you know, I am a jerk. <laughs> yeah. Or, hey, uh, you know, some of the biggest feedback as, you know, I do the podcast, but also my background is video editing. And so a lot of my, I've actually been probably so accustomed to people just like, rip this out, don't like that. And um, I feel like I've had this like, my face just kind of gets like, okay, I'm just like a machine, right? Like it's not me. They don't like, it's just something that I put together. But sometimes I have to say, I take a little offense when people are like, I don't like your music. I'm like, <laughs> why? Why do you not like my music? You know, what's it's, wrong with your ears? <laughs> yeah. What's, what's wrong with your head? You know, I think you are the problem and you get into this defense and then you just have to like realize like, 
it's not me that they're not liking. It's just choices, right? Absolutely, Lord. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah. And I also have to say, though, you also incorporate in this book, which I think is so wonderful, is stewardship and sustainability on chapter 14. What made you decide to touch on 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 this chapter? Well, I don't know if it was David Brower who said it or somebody that uh, there is no fly fishing on a dead planet. Yes, I love that. Or something like that. Uh, But I think it's time. You know, there are 8 billion people in the world and growing. It's not going to stop at 8 billion. It's going to be 10 billion before too long. And uh, we are maxing out the limited resources that there are. And so we have to figure, we we have to bake in sustainability and stewardship into our life, into our businesses into our personal lives, into our f- sports, which is in this case, fly fishing. So we really got to recognize that that's the only way that we're going to get through this thing and create some kind of a healthy planet for all of us, all eight plus billion of us. So I thought it was important to really put this in because stewardship and sustainability ESG metrics, everything now is getting into the business world. And people have to understand how, how, how important it is. Right. And I think that's like individually and on a business level, right? Because we can all do our small part and we also need like the big leaders to reflect those, those changes and the stewardship of our planet. Yeah. Uh, Business has been t- taking the resources of the planet for granted and for free for forever. I mean, water, minerals, um, land, lumber, whatever else you want to think. We've been using using up a lot of those things at no cost, thinking it's free. Well, it may be free, but the after effects are not free. And so we have to, as leaders, we have to really look at the whole ecosystem as our our domain. To me, Mother Nature is the biggest shareholder. Mm-hmm. And that. so we've got to get, we have to get leaders who really have the courage. And there I go back to my notion of courage again. We've got to have leaders who have the courage to say, wait a minute, we can, we can do good and make a profit. Yes. I mean, just look at Patagonia, right? That was a stunning announcement. Amazing. That was a stunning announcement. Uh, I hope it works out for them. I do um, too. And I hope it's a wake-up call for a lot of business owners and people to say, hey, there's a better way. We can have both. Without a doubt. Without a doubt. 
Um, in your experience of working with, um, you know, really people in high places, have you taken these people fishing, John, and have them experience this type of leadership that we're talking about in your book? You know, I'm glad you asked that question. Um, I have been on trips to Venezuela, Los Rocas, and the Amazon, and the Kamchatka, and a few places with a lot of people who are decision makers. And invariably, the conversation will come up to what's going on in my business, and we have an opportunity to kind of share some of these principles. But a friend and I are working on a retreat. We're working on a week-long retreat. It happens to be in the Iterut Valley on the Iterut River. Nice. We're going we're to start hosting them hopefully in uh, July and September next year, 2023. And they're all based on this book. And it is a week of coming together, business people, executives, elected officials, whoever wants to come along to get immersed in fly fishing and use fly fishing principles to really learn about leadership development. So it's about people who want to better themselves as leaders. And fly fishing is the perfect vehicle for that. And so we have a lodge. We have a great lodge. It's not rustic. They, they're going to be well taken care of. They're going to, they're going to have great guides. They'll have some air but conditioning. We're, <laughs> but we're going to have some deep conversations. And I've got the curriculum all kind of laid out. And they'll be getting a journal and a handbook. And we got principles to talk about. But I believe there's going to be some great fly fishing, too. I absolutely love that, John. Now, with that... Um, what kind of can anyone who sign up for this, who's just wanting to develop their leadership or is it more uh, catered it's for towards? Anybody. It's anybody. for anybody. It's for okay. anybody who's the greatest thing about how you develop leadership is through curiosity. We're looking for people who are curious to learn, to learn about themselves, their business, their principles, other people, leadership, and even prove their fly fishing skills as well. So um, we're just putting together a website and a brochure and all that about it. So I will let you know as soon as that breaks. How about that? Yes. Well, you know, it's so funny because I was, as you were talking about this like retreat and, um, you know, I've been in other organizations where they're like, okay, we're going to do leadership kind of conventions. And it was, you know, and they are like, you know, team building. And it used to be like, okay, ready to fall, falling, falling. And then, you you know, everyone would catch you. And that was like, did you trust your team? And it was, you know, and, and that's kind of like the old school way of, um, I was thinking of like the old school way of like trusting your team and being a leader. And um, I think this is such a great way to take a spin and, to make it more tan tangible, you know, <laughs> like I think the opposite of an outward bound experience, which I think is what you're you're kind of referring to, where you go on a, an adventure. The opposite of that is what I call an inward bound experience, and I think that's what we're gonna we're gonna work on. How do you have an inward bound experience to where you learn a lot about yourself, your business? other people, leadership, and you do it within the guise of 
having a great fly fishing week. Yeah. Well, and those are like, as when we started this podcast, we were just talking about like stories, right? <laughs> and maybe in stories, we can create leadership. We have to have some experiences with them because again, like I said, uh, leadership is not a spectator sport. It's it's a contact sport. So we have to get, get out on the water and experience these principles. And one of my favorite principles, Lauren, is... Uh, right at the beginning, and it's the foundation for leadership, and that is slowing down to make good decisions. And if you think about a cast, you cannot rush a cast. It collapses every time. And so you have to, you have to slow down to make a great cast. You have, as a leader, you should not rush a decision. You got to really get the context. You got to get all of the, as much information as you can and then you're still going to make have to make a decision without all the information, but you're a lot. You've thought about it well, and you've digested it well. Wow, that is so visually. I remember reading that. I think that's visually so true. You cannot speed up a cast. You can't and, rush a cast. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! And I mean, and also what I think is so great is like challenging yourself to do new skills, even though you probably you know, when you get to the point of like being the expert caster, right? There's so many new casting, like Snap T, you got your double haul, you know, these are all new casts that, you know, once you've pushed yourself to not, I don't think you can ever be an expert fly angler, right? Like you can get good at it, but um, you'll never a hundred percent be an expert. Uh, you cannot be an expert leader either. There's always something new that you're faced with, but what I like about both leadership and fly fishing is that every time you're faced with something new, there are a core set of principles you can fall back on to figure it out. Very well and that's said, what Jimmy. I think this book is about. These are core principles of leadership and they're core principles of fly fishing. They just happen to marry together really well. What is your hope when people are reading your book at the end of it? Like, What is your hope that they'll take away from reading um Fly fishing for leadership. Now you've you've asked a really good question. <laughs> That's why I have a podcast, John. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm usually not at a loss for words, but I hadn't really thought about. Well, I guess I want them to remember some of the stories, and I want them to figure out a way to interpret those in their own life. In okay. other words, say, "Oh, that story." I've had a similar experience. Now I understand why I got it right or got it wrong. So there's being able to sit back and think about your life and learn some things. I guess that's, and also I think there's some great stories in here to have a good laugh. <laughs> oh my gosh. I mean, like I said, there's so many great stories and that's what I like about this book. Cause you think you're going to open up a book and you're going to, read about leadership, but there's so much more into it. There's so much more to this book. There's stories in it. And there's like real life experiences that make you laugh. Like I said about the 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 Tabasco uh, hot sauce, I thought was just so funny. And, you know, I, I just like, I'm like, oh, I feel for him, right? You're like, I'm so sorry that you had to go through that. But again, I bet you that guy moving forward is probably like, who am I fishing with tomorrow? Is this somebody? <laughs> you give me a little and, bit more information. And who's in this meeting I'm going to, 
right? Oh, without a doubt. Can we, can we all, honestly, I've had so many, I've had previous uh, experiences in my life where I was not prepared. And I leave that I've left like interviews or, and I just feel flushed. Right. Yeah. And throughout the entire day, I can't stop thinking about how I look like a big goofus. And, um, you know, like this was like, gosh, right when I got out of college and I, I did this interview, um, to do an editing job and I didn't, it was a security person and it was somebody from New York and, you know, people in New York are a little bit more like, you know, they're in your face. In they your are. Face. And I just, I was not prepared for it at all. I've been like doing interviews in Montana and they're all so friendly and they're like, what do you like to do? And right. you know, New York's like straight to the point and they're like, what do you like about this candidate? And I think I said the wrong uh, show that she was on and they're like, <laughs> you mean, you know, yeah. corrected me to the right show that she was on. And I was like, well, <laughs> I didn't even, I never even heard back from that person. I I, I felt, so, I was like ghost white. I was like, yeah, that's yes. yes. And, um, you know, to <laughs> those days, been, you know, you we've talk, all been there. We've all right? been there. Where <laughs> you just fail. And that's, but it, it's okay to fail as becoming leaders. Yeah. Hey, um, I have a story I want to share with you from the book and it's because one of the things that doesn't come up too often in leadership is heart. You know, there's courageous leadership, bold leadership, uh, charismatic leadership, uh, confident leadership, uh, technical leadership, whatever you want to call it. But in my chapter 22, the title is It Starts and Ends with Heart. And I'd like to share a story. Uh, my older brother and I were fishing on the North, North Fork of the Clearwater. And it was tough fishing. And we were walking along the bank and we saw this wooden cross hammered into the earth on the bank amongst the ferns and the brush. And it had a straw hat on it. And someone had carved the initials DM in the wood. And my brother and I sat there for a while and we wondered, now, what is this about? You know, I don't think it's a car wreck because it was way off the road. So we finally decided it was a memorial to somebody who just really loved that river. So anyway, I wound up writing a blog post about it. And I said, gee, I, know, I don't know what this was about, but it seems to me that this is an homage to somebody who loved the river, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, several months later, I received a message in my email from a woman. And let me read it to you. John, thanks for your blog and the photo. That is a marker we left on the side of the Clearwater River this year to memorialize my dad grew up fishing that river. We lost dad to diabetes on April 5th, 2011, and he is greatly missed. Each year when we visit the North Fork, it brings us closer to him again. Every year we replace his marker, as we know it won't last from year to year. My dad had no happier place on earth. This past year, his mother and brother passed away, and we're going back to the Clearwater 
spreading their ashes and placing two more crosses. And I just think there's something magical about fly fishing that gets into people's heart. And uh, that story just made me cry. I know. I, I'm so glad you said something. I was going to try. But yet the authenticity of what the river means to so many. Yeah, it's life. It flows like life. No two days on the river are exactly the same. Well, no two days in our life are exactly the same. At least they shouldn't be. <laughs> no, no, or else we'd be a, they'd start, <laughs> that, that'd be the movie Groundhog Day, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's one of my favorite movies. <laughs> I love that movie too. It was. It's still so great. You know, like sometimes you watch some of those movies and you're like, why? What was I ever thinking that this is great? And then you're like, that one, priceless on ground, and they still play it, don't they? I mean, it used to be on. Um, I don't have cable anymore, but it used to be like um, play twenty four seven on Groundhog Day. Yeah, <laughs> great way to do. <laughs> what a great so, John. Um, yeah. are, if people are interested in, um, I know they will be. How is the best way for them to grab a book, um, your book, Fly Fishing for Leadership? I think the easiest way is to just go on Amazon and buy one. Uh, it comes rather quickly. And uh, so that's the best way. I've also got it on my website. And if people want to learn a little bit more about this old guy, they can go to my website, which is www.johnrchildress.com. Go to thefebruaryroom.com where you can access a complete library of our podcast and read more about our guest, their fishing stories, and favorite fly patterns. We're always looking for exceptional fly fishing yarns, and if you have one to spend, shoot us an email at info at thefebruaryroom.com. The February Room is always free, but if you feel like throwing a nickel in the pond, we appreciate any additional listener support. For companies and individuals interested in sponsorship opportunities, please contact us for our media kit. Thanks for stopping by the February Room, and we'll see you down here next week.